Hey there, Perry here. If you want to get a far greater financial return on your marketing investment, you're going to want to watch or listen to this week's show. And if you don't want a better financial return on your marketing investment, you probably shouldn't be in business. In this week's show, I'm not interviewing anyone. In fact, I've chosen to wrap the content around a really good question one of my clients asked me last week. Now, my client is in a partnership, and in this partnership, their business delivers management consultancy and training, and they've got a whole bunch of different clients in different niches. And he came to me and he said, look, we're really looking at just maybe going into two niches because I like this particular niche and my partner likes that particular niche. And I said to him, it's the very worst thing you can do. It's the very, very worst thing you can do. And I get why he wanted to do it. He's got a partner who's interested in that, enjoys doing that, and he enjoys working in this particular niche. And I said, it's a really big mistake and it's going to make you, cause you a lot of problems. It is going to impact the speed of getting clients. It's going to impact how you're perceived in the marketplace negatively. It's going to actually confuse you and it's going to cause you a lot more work. And I'm going to show you why right now. And the solutions that I, that I gave him and the suggestions that I gave him are guaranteed to make a huge difference to his profit. And if you take what I'm sharing on board, it will help you improve your profit. So the first problem, and I want you to imagine a website here for a second. The first problem is if you work into two different niches, that means on your website, you're trying to communicate to those two niches. And you just can't. You'll become wishy-washy. You won't be perceived as an expert if you are communicating to two niches. See, there is a guaranteed way of bringing on clients fast and positioning yourself effectively into the marketplace, and that is this. Every business owner needs to be perceived as the expert choice to solve a problem or to gain a goal or an aspiration, and sometimes both of those things. And it doesn't matter what business you're in, if you're seen as the first most trustworthy source or your products or services are seen as the most trustworthy source for solving a problem and aspiration of a particular niche, you're going to have business for life. I'm just going to go a bit sideways here and, and use an example to really clarify where I'm going with this. I want you to imagine now that someone has a cold. Think about last time you had a cold. You may have one now. A cold is, in reality, a mild inconvenience. You know, no one likes it. You know, it might even hit the body, you know, when it starts to get that real fluey thing and you 
feel pretty shitty and horrible and yucky. You know, work's impacted, you're tired, a bit more grumpy than you might be normally, those types of things. And you'll toll off to the GP or if you're an alternative type of person, you might go off to your naturopath and you'll be quite happy to take on their advice. However, if you diagnosed with cancer, you'd look at your GP's website and you could see the GP's going to help you with, you know, fungal issues. Uh, they'll cut the mole out that's got a little bit of skin cancer in it and, uh, you know, they'll help you with your bunions. And GP's can do everything and anything. As the cancer person with cancer, you're looking at the GP going, ah, well, they're not a specialist because suddenly you are now in what we call a high-need position. You need this problem solved. It's a high value for you to have this problem solved. And this is really important to understand. So once there's high need, high value placed on dealing with the problem, which is healing the cancer, the aspiration, which is getting back to a fully functional life where you're healthy, you're going to want to go to someone that is a specialist because in your mind, a specialist is more likely to solve your problem and help you achieve the aspiration. So you sort of go like that at the GP. And if you're alternative-minded, you might go and get some alternative help from a naturopath or someone of that ilk. And again, if you've got cancer, high need, high value on solving the problem and the aspiration, when you look for your naturopath to support you, and you go to a naturopath's website that sort of talks about, oh, you know, like I can help you with candida, I can help you with your bad back, stress, migraines, and, and, and I also work with some cancer patients. Again, you're going, no, that's not, they're not the expert. You're going to go and choose the naturopath that specialises in helping cancer patients. And when you go to their website and when you go to the doctor's website that's talking about Solving cancer, they're going to have articles about cancer, what, what they do and how they work with cancer. They're, you're going to see videos from them about their protocols, etc. You might get subscribed to their newsletter list and when you get their emails or their Facebook updates, and GPs are updating the Facebook week here where I'm going with this, everything's about cancer, how to solve cancer. And you're going, well, they're now positioned as the expert solution. Now, what do we have there? In that example, the naturopath and the doctor have trained and specialised into a tight niche, but they can communicate directly to their niche and to the niche's problems because that's all they do. They solve that problem and that problem alone. So all their marketing communication all their websites geared to that. The moment we go back to, we talked about the GP or the, the naturopath as a generalist, they're doing what my client asked me if it was a good idea to do. They're now trying to serve everyone. And the moment you're trying to serve everyone, you won't outcompete those people that are specialising into the niche. And I'm pretty sure you can see how obvious that is, but 
we all get to close to what we're doing. I work with mentors, pay really good money to my mentors because sometimes I can't see the blinding obvious. Same with my clients. They use me because they often don't see the blinding obvious. It's not that they're not intelligent. They're just too close to what they're doing. That's why people work with people like me or I work with my mentors because they can see what I'm not seeing, not because I'm dumb. It's just because you're too busy and too close to the subject. So the tighter you can control your communications, your marketing communications, your marketing collateral, the more you reach your client and get perceived as the expert. Now, it does something else as well. When you run a business that requires communicating to two niches, you yourself will get confused. See, when you concentrate on one thing, your entire consciousness, your entire mind gets absorbed into that one thing and gets to know it really, really well and just communicating about that one thing constantly. So even for you, you become very aware of who you are to the marketplace. Now, just keep in mind that when I talk about you or you are who you are to the marketplace, you could extend that to your brand, your, your, your product business, your service business. Look at uh, Steve Jobs okay, for what, what he did for Apple. Just single focus, dedicated on delivering on a couple of core principles. The first one was design, if I remember rightly. We're going to make really good-looking machines that feel good to use and never swayed from that. Okay, so you can see. And uh, who, who bought Apple products originally? Creative types. Creative types love good-looking things. I remember when I first got my first Apple product. And by the way, I'm not... Uh, Apple fixated. I got Android's piece. <laughs> I got everything, right? But still to this day, nothing feels as nice as an Apple product. Nothing works as smoothly and seamlessly as an Apple product. And very few products, even though feel as good, things have changed now. But Steve Jobs, same thing, really clear about who he was in the marketplace, communicated that, never deviated from that. So he reached the heart and souls of creative types who aligned with his value system. You can look at BMW. Uh, you can look at Mercedes. Well, what are they doing? They're doing a couple of things. So same thing, it's around problems and aspirations. And the problem could be my car's broken down. I need to choose a really good car and I like high-end cars. Well, Mercedes and, and BMWs have really good ratings. They don't break down. They're very clear about who they are and who they serve. So that becomes an easy mix. Or if you're interested in status and Mercedes and BMW pull that off really well in their branding, they're really clear about who they are, then you're going to go and buy Mercedes BMW. And when you drive around, you're going to feel good about yourself and you might believe the ads and think that that's going to help you get some you know, really beautiful girl. If you're a girl, Actually, isn't that interesting? You don't see ads for BMW, Mercedes with women drivers that often. It's all tailored to men. So I'll leave what I was going to say out of it. But you're probably starting to get the, the gist here so that when you are dealing with one tight niche, you can concentrate your communication around the problem and aspiration in a way that they will see and understand that you are the expert solution. The 
other element to this, since we are talking about just digging into one niche and communicating to that niche, is I talked about high need niches. So you can see that someone that's got cancer, high need. And if you've got high need, that means that you place value on solving that, uh, high value on solving that problem or achieving the aspirational outcome, which means you'll take action quickly. So when you are positioning into a niche, you want to pick a high need niche. And you want to pick a high need niche that is willing to pay good money to get the problem solved. So all niches aren't equal, obviously. Certain niches are high need and certain niches are low need. I'll show you how this could work. Again, I've worked a lot with osteopaths and chiropractors and that type of people over time, people in those industries. And they usually come to me as generalists. And I, I explain to them, being a generalist won't get you the financial outcomes that being a highly targeted specialist into a high-need, wealthy niche. And obviously that makes sense. So as an example, I would then work with the chiropractor and we might identify golfers. The chiropractor is a specialist in getting golfers back onto the course really, really quickly. Now let me explain why this works and how it works. Fanatical golfers, and some of you will be this, and just, just as, I, as I do this, think about what you're fanatical about. Like, what's one of my mentors say? He says, everyone's got an area of their financial rules that they'll break because they're fanatics in that area. So I break my financial rules for surfboards. So what do I mean by that? I have uh, budgetary rules that will get broken because I have a passion, beautiful surfboards. <laughs> Okay, so a golfer who plays a lot of golf, and not all golfers, but many golfers tend to come from the middle to professional to entrepreneurial or investing classes of people. So they have money, they love what golfing gives them. And when they can't play golf because of an injury, and think about that, many golfers are older, so they tend to get injuries. It really upsets them. So I'm thinking I've done this with a few of my clients over time, but I'm just thinking now about one car, as I said. Actually, they're chiro and physio. They're, they're quite trained up. I got the position as the leading golf expert, uh, sorry, the, 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 the leading chiropractic or healer, what do you want to call it, into the golfing industry. And what he did was he built his whole website around getting golfers back playing. And on that website, he had videos of, I don't know what you call it, but the, the uh, body movements, body flows. He would show how people had impinged shoulders and the impinged shoulder would decrease their swing power. And then he would show that through doing this adjustment, how all of a sudden that person could get the ball to go to another <laughs> another 20 feet. It sounds ridiculous to a non-golfer. 
<laughs> wow. But to a golfer, to get another 20 feet out of a swing was amazing. So he's got all this, uh, that's what it's called, biomechanics. So all over his website, he's got all this biomechanics stuff. So not only <laughs> is he sort of positioning at this point about how he helps people when they've got problems, but he's actually educating golfers on what they can do to improve their bodies so that they can get better golf scores. And he's got uh, little videos of him, as I said before, guy taking golf swing, he's doing a manipulation, then the guy does a golf swing and he whacks it 20 metres more. He has exercises, how to develop the core so they can get even more power in the swing. Remember, this is a guy that came to me and wanted to be a generalist and work in a multiple of Nietzsche's. This guy had an outstanding success. He wouldn't have as a generalist. So, again, heaps of people were signing up for this content. Golfers were, were just coming from everywhere to sign up for this content, right? It was smart. So he's not just getting people when they were injured. He's actually collecting leads. People are signing up to get this information. They've got to give them his name and email address. And then every week or two, he would send out another tip about how to improve your body, how to work on the biomechanics of the body or another set of stretch of exercises. So he's building this relationship. And guess what else happens? And this is really important because when you're a generalist, you don't get referrals. But once you're seen as an expert in a niche, everyone's telling everyone. So all of a sudden, everyone's going on about how amazing this guy's info is telling all their friends at golf. So everyone's signing up. This guy had an outrageous success. Then he monopolized on that. So people actually ended up coming from all over the world, but he could only be one of himself working in a central location. So obviously he got all the golfers from the area, but then he started to do online consults where they get on Skype, the person would stand there in their underwear turn around, he'd see the back, he'd see the front, he'd see the side, and he'd start to look for the postural problems and then diagnose a set of exercises for them. This all comes as a result of being perceived as an expert. One of my suggestions for him was to align with uh, golf club distributors. And so the golf club distributors and producers and all sorts of other people involved with or other organisations involved with golf then started to promote him and his tips. He ended up going gangbusted. He actually started to create courses and sold courses. None of that would have ever happened to him if he tried to be a generalist. So, again, key point, identify high-need niches and high-need niches where they have wealth. That's a no-brainer. And then make sure you position yourself or your services in their best possible solution for it. Now, I just want you to see, when he communicated all the time about golf, golf swings, he's just in training his entire unconscious in this field of expertise. And so the more he does that, the more he walks and talks it. This is the other problem that happens when you're a generalist. When you're a generalist, you're sort of dibbling, dabbling, not sort of being some, something for everybody, then even you become less focused. You aren't sure of who you are. I said that before. And the moment you're not sure of who you are because you're too many things, 
everything will start to fall apart because you are not focused in your communication and what you, what niche you're there to serve and deliver to. Personally, I've had this experience. Okay, so for, for years, actually, I've really, I, I know this thing inside and out. So for years, fortunately, I didn't have to market because of my rare skill set. And I would start working with business owners. I remember I'd be working with the, the business owners on the, from the Hedges Ave on the Gold Coast in Australia, if you're watching that from this from overseas. And really love working with them. The Hedges Road, by the way, is what they call Millionaire Alley or something like that, the nickname for it. And a lot of, of Australia's successful businessmen from all over lived in this area. Now, so I would end up working with one, they'd refer me to the next person, the next person. But this is what would happen because decent with strategy, I'm a sounding board for business owners. They run their strategies past me. They always get me to be a sounding board for the things that they're doing. And that involves my, obviously, strategic mind. But I also have the ability to read people. And when I say read people, it means that when I work with a business owner, I can see what they can't see about themselves. And what they can't see about themselves is typically limiting them from going to the next level. So this is what's on their unconscious, meaning they're not consciously aware of it. And as you know, if you've seen me work with people live, what might take someone three or four weeks to work out about someone three or four months, I'm just going to do it in about two seconds flat. So I become very invaluable for entrepreneurs and investors who are really willing to see what's limiting them. Uh, they're going to have to face themselves, but this supports their, their self-mastery as, as entrepreneurs and um, investors. So what would happen, of course, I'd be working with the business owners. They'd see my people reading skill, and all of a sudden I'm there with their wife or I'm there now helping them with their relationship or I have their teenage son who's got drug addiction problems. And for those that don't know, I have worked with all those things in my past, drug addicts in a way, way earlier incarnation to who I am right now, I would work with traumatised uh, Vietnam vets, SAS soldiers. Yeah, I work with the fringes of, of life, the real shadow of life. I really loved that work but didn't pay that well and it burnt me out, but I learned a lot about human behaviour and human nature through that. And, again, I never advertised, by the way, that it always used to come to me because people... Um, obviously felt that I had some skills when it came to serving people in their problems. But anyway, so through that experience, I'm suddenly not only working with people in business, I'm now working with people around their relationships. I'm now with the families of the business owners um, and being asked to run workshops on relationships because I'd be working with a business owner and their wife and their relationship would improve. And for me, myself, I actually became confused about who I was. Now, when I say confused, about who I am. But if you're going to the marketplace, you've got to go to the marketplace with, as I've said, one focus, one focus into tight niche. So all of a sudden, when people ask me what I did, I, I couldn't tell them anymore. And if you can't tell people what you do and what you specialise in, you're in trouble, right? So really important and far easier on, on yourself or, and Everyone in your business, including your copywriters and everyone, if they are really aware of just one core focus. Okay, 
Oh, I, I had a Wayne Pickstone, the naturopath, great guy. He did something similar. So this is a, a, an example. I used to work with Wayne and train with Wayne at his conferences and what have you. Very smart man. He really understood this, what we're talking about. He got jack of it in the end. He just ended up traveling a lot, quite, got very well known, and then got to the point where he said, you know what, I'm sick of this. I'm going to go back and live a very simple life. But for ages he had a, a naturopathic practice that just blew me away in what he had achieved, and this is what he did. He realized that, look, he realized the principles that I'm sharing right now, and he knew he wasn't going to be like every other naturopath that, and be a generalist. And by the way, he was highly trained. He'd travel all over the world to do trainings. Who he concentrated on on his high need niche with wealth was CEOs of companies. And the CEOs of companies would pay him about twelve hundred a month, if I remember rightly. And this is 10, 12 years ago. And for that dollar amount, he would keep them in high-level health. So he'd have these machines that would be hook them up. He'd be, and with that 12 bucks a month, they got supplements and all sorts of things that would keep them in high-level um, health. Now, some people listening to this go, well, I wouldn't pay 1200 bucks a month for that. And, of course, you wouldn't. You are responsible for high-performing business and you've got lots of staff and lots of responsibilities and you have experienced burnout or something like that, you, you will suddenly value health more than ever because you realise that when your health suffers, the business you're responsible for suffers. So these are high-end CEOs that were willing to spend that 1200 bucks a month to stay in the highest level of health. Now, we know now that the highest levels of health it goes beyond normal levels of health. It's the highest levels of health improve brain functioning. Uh, so they're going to be making better decisions as a result of, they were work, of the work they were doing with him. Now, let me just think, is there anything else that I should probably communicate in regards to this? I'm going to yeah, probably quickly cover off on why people don't do this because there's unconscious sabotages to it. But before I go into that, I'll go into one other weakness of serving two niches or three niches or being a generalist. It creates operational inefficiencies. So the more niches that you're communicating, the more that, say, as an example, your email follow-up sequences have to be changed. You've got to have one for each niche. You'll have to have different systems of accounting. As an example, you know, instead of having a narrow range of products, you're going to have the products for this niche and the products for that niche. It just creates a, a lot more work. Finally, where I really learned this, by the way, where I really, really learned this, was I used to run live events. And at that live event, I would, because at that time I'd work a lot with in the salon industry and in the wellness industry. So in the wellness industry, I'm working with doctors, osteopaths, chiropractors, naturopaths, all that type. And in the salon industry, I'm working with beauty spa owners and hair uh, stylists, uh, salon, hair salon owners. And I'd have them all in the room. Now, what's really interesting is, look, their problems were really, really similar. However, my close rates in the room were way lower than when I split them up and I would just have the wellness people in the, in the room and then the next day I'd have the salon people in the room. 
And what was the difference? Well, it's back to what I said before. Even though I was teaching the same thing, I couldn't personalise it so much to the industry. When I was able to separate them, if I was working with the wellness people, I would just keep bringing everything. I just use wellness examples. So it'd be the same example that I'd run the room with both of them, but then I'd just make it about a wellness business. So I could talk about wellness business only, just using the word wellness business, wellness business. That made me look at that point in time like the expert in the wellness business. When I had, and then I'd go and do the salon room the next day, and I was a salon expert. When I'd have them together, because I would couldn't use such targeted communication, they didn't buy. Now, there's an affinity thing and a tribal thing there as well. You get that, right? You are involved in sports or you're involved in some tribe, and if you're in your tribe, you want to be in your tribe and with people that understand your tribe. So when I run the one room, they can feel, I understand the wellness tribe. And when I'm in the salon room, he understands the salon tribe. Again, just finish off of that. So why don't people do this? Now, oftentimes there's unconscious or reasons uh, or it can be conscious. The first one is fear of missing out. Um, nine times out of 10, when I'm trying to help someone overcome the desire to be a generalist and to lock into a niche that they think they're going to miss out from the other niches, not understanding that if they really position and capitalise on the one niche, they're going to make far, far, far more money and long-term because the longer you're in a niche perceived as an expert, the greater your influence gets. You, you, you can build wealth of life from one niche. Um, so you don't miss out, but people think they are going to miss out. The other one is people like to be generalists. So there is a, a very committed decision when you go into a niche because, you know, you, you're basically saying, hey, this is who I am for the next, you know, X number. It should be for life, but potentially, you know, 10 years because you're going to dominate. You, you've got in business, you've only got a certain amount of time. It takes a certain amount of time to really dominate something or get somewhere. But let's just say 10 years. So you are committing and locking into something. And people would say things to me like, oh, yeah, but I'm interested in this and I'm interested in that. And I go, well, you can still be interested in this and interested in that, but if you have that approach as a business owner, you're just not going to make the money. <laughs> Specialise into one niche, dominate it, make a lot of money, work less and have more time for your other interests. That's the strategy that I would be uh, suggesting. The other one is the fear of making the wrong decision. Or if I've got to lock into it, I could be making a mistake with this niche. So they're the three main ones. The real big one is that just people aren't trained in this stuff. They're not thinking entrepreneurially, which is why, again, we've got to work with mentors and educators uh, who help us see what we're not seeing. That's why I work with mine and it's invaluable. I'll see you next week. Uh, if you want to work further with us, I have a few suggestions. First one is if you're not already in it, join our inner circle which is my Facebook group for investors and business owners. You'll find that uh, access to that on our website. Uh, a really good place to start is to do our business DNA indicator assessment, which will help you understand the wealth creating gifts and strengths that are defined by your DNA. It's really important that you understand that information 
So again, that's business DNA indicator. It's our quiz or assessment, whatever word you want to use, will help you really understand yourself as an entrepreneur and as an investor. And of course, understanding self is important because that is the foundation of self-mastery. Where am I weak? Where am I strong? What do I need to develop within myself? What behavioral patterns and belief systems are working for me and what aren't? What intellectual knowledge do I need to get to get there? What skill set needs to be improved? What's happening in my unconscious that I'm not aware of, but it's undermining where I'm trying to go, what I'm trying to achieve? Till next time, see ya.